Hello and welcome to Travel Radio. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I am privileged today to have Sharon Oldham back on the program with me. Welcome, Sharon. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you back because you have great information and you're just a pleasure to host. So thank you again for being here today. Good. Now, before we get into everything Sharon and Italy, let's talk one quick sec about a review that we received on iTunes because uh, they're very important to me and help people find the show within you know the bean counters at iTunes or the algorithms-based things on reviews. So I'm very thankful for them, and I'm going to always read them out. So this one is from uh, Friends of Mine, Rosemary's Ladies Podcast, which I appreciate the review, and it says, Have podcast, we'll travel. A great podcast for people who love traveling or people like me who love the idea of travel but don't have the money to spend on it just yet. Live vicariously through Megan and Travel Radio as you get tons of information about a wide variety of travel experiences. Five stars. Thanks, gals. All right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, Sharon, I would like you to take a minute, please, and introduce yourself. For guests that haven't heard your previous episodes, would you just take a second to give us a little bit of your background and what you specialize in? Well, I'm Sharon Oldham, and I currently live in Arizona, but previously I'd lived in California for about 40 years. And um, my love of travel has always existed because I used to just travel in the summers because I had them off as an educator. But now I've fallen in love with Italy, and I've become an Italy specialist. Mm. And for about the last, I'd say, almost 20 years, I've been helping clients plan trips either by tours or individual trips all over Italy and sometimes throughout Europe. Um, I actually speak the language. I travel there frequently. Um, I am connected to a lot of organizations that introduce us to uh, wonderful suppliers that provide tours, uh, off-the-beaten-track experiences, cooking schools, transportation. So I feel like um, I have a lot of experience to offer my clients. Yeah, and I say this every time I have you on, you are just kind of the example that I want to hold up to people to say, this is why you use a travel professional because of the experience both firsthand and through trainings and on-site trainings. And um, anyway, thank you so much. Thank you for, I know it's a real chore for you to do these trips to Italy to learn about Italy. But <laughs> I love it. I love it. But you're just, this. it's a kind of experience that you can't get from, you know, reading, reading just off of the internet. And again, um, to plug travel professionals, most times you use a travel professional, it costs you no additional money and you get all of their years and years of experience and knowledge. So, uh, so let's dive into that knowledge, Sharon. How recently were you in Italy and what brought you into the country? Well, my last trip was October of 2018, mm-hmm. just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and I actually went twice, um, one uh, to attend a large conference with people from all over the world to uh, learn more about the kinds of services that Italian tourism, mm. uh, they're offering now as the country is evolving, mm. uh, and that was an amazing experience, just the people that you meet and all the kinds of different things that they're doing in regions, mm. and each of the regions are doing a good job of marketing themselves 
Um, you wouldn't think that places like Tuscany and Rome and Lake Como and Cinque Terre would have to market, but they're there in force because they're always there to offer new things, something exciting to offer to clients to make sure that people know uh, more in depth about each of the regions. The other yeah, part of my ahead. trip, uh, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking that that's so important also because and with many of your clients, as we've discussed in the past, they want to go again and again to Italy. And so it's nice for the regions to educate travel professionals on what's new for their clients or what they might not have considered. Because people, when they fall in love with Italy, they just have to go back. So that's great. Right. And it's just, you know, most people start out doing the the big three, the triumphant three of Florence, Venice, and Rome, but then they discover either through watching shows like Rick Steves or things on PBS or reading travel blogs that there's much more. Then they understand that they want to see things like the lakes. They want to see more about Rome, uh, cooking Mm. schools, because they understand that the cooking is different in every region. So it's kind of exciting. Uh, Mm. I'm finding that Americans are going back not just to Italy, but to other parts of Europe to experience a more in-depth kind of trip. Yeah. Um, So it's exciting. Awesome. Now let's talk about the region that you were most recently in. Where did you go this time? Well, in both trips uh, that I was in, uh, we were really concentrating on the area of Puglia. In English, we call it Apulia, A-P-U-G-L-I-A. But in Italian, it's Puglia, and it is very easy to find because it's the heel of the boot. Ah. And Puglia is a kind of a, it's just now coming into its own. It has a lot to offer, and many, many people are deciding this is the place to travel. They find that maybe Venice is just too crowded, too touristed. Uh, they might only spend a day or two in Rome, but they want to explore something new. And Puglia has that to offer. It's very close to Greece. Mm -hmm. It's got a very uh, interesting history, Uh, a lot of Arabic influence, a lot Mm. of Greek influence, of Mm. course, Roman influence, Spanish influence because of a lot of history, a lot of people coming in to conquer and leave their mark on the heel of Italy. Mm. Um, So it's kind of interesting. They don't have a lot of marble there. Um, they use a lot of limestone, and they also use something called paper mache, uh, not necessarily to build buildings, but for a lot of their statuary, a lot of their um, just a lot of things that you see sometimes in the Catholic churches. It's very, very fascinating, and I found out that they are exporting that expertise to the magazine Front Gate, which a lot of Americans know about, yes. for a lot of backyard um ornaments and yes. furniture and uh, animal structures, and it all comes from Puglia, believe it or not. Well, but I, Puglia I, is really rich. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. I just say I, I didn't know, but I believe it. You're telling me, and I believe it, so there you go. Yeah, yeah well, people thought, how do they carry those heavy statues during the festivals? Well, they're not made of marble or iron. They are made of paper mache. So it's kind of interesting art. It is interesting Um, because that's definitely what I made like really bad art out of for like pageant parades and whatnot. So (laughs) it's funny. I I had no idea either. I I think everybody was really surprised. But Puglia is really famous. There's a town, um, probably the most well-known town is Lecce. 
Mm -hmm. L-E-C-C-E, and it's called the Florence of the South. Mm. It is a very Baroque style of architecture. Most of the buildings, very interesting, very beautiful, uh, old, very old, Mm -hmm. um, flat. It's easy to walk. Oh, that's good. uh, Not up and down hills. um, And so it's just, and it's an easy town to get around in. If you stay in the center of the city, you can walk it. It's lovely and not have to worry about getting run over by cars. Um, and it's not so tiny that there's not a lot there. There's a lot of things to see, but it's not so big. It's not even, you know, it's not as big as Florence that you, you really are comfortable uh, exploring all the different restaurants. The food is incredible there. Lots of different stores and shops and wonderful churches. Uh, just to, and the architecture, even mm. if you're not religious, just going in inside to see the, the art and the buildings is just fascinating. All right, well, then let's get into some of these topics a little more in depth. I was looking at some of your pictures, which um, for people that are listening along, can you tell them so maybe they can even go there now? Um, you're sharing all about Italy Facebook page so people can see some of these things in action. What's your Facebook page? <laughs> Well, you can you can access me on a couple of places. I do have a, a Facebook page called Ticket, the number two Italy, Ticket to Italy. But most of my photos were posted on my personal page, which you can definitely access. Sharon uh, dot Oldham O L D H A M dot thirty one on Facebook, Ooh. and you can gaze through the photos because what was amazing is that. A lot of people go there to stay in what they call farm stays, like they do in Tuscany and Umbria, mm. but they're not, they call these farms Masseria, M-A-S-S-E-R-I-A. And they're really basically olive farms, but they're old olive farms that they've turned into luxury stays. And you can get every kind of Masseria. You can get um, family where there's lots of things to do with water, pools, access to the sea, uh, horseback riding, bicycling, Mm. or you can go and just be in an adult kind of a property where there's golf, there's Mm. spa, Mm. and and you're close. You know, Puglia is not that large. So if you're driving or if you have a, a driver yourself or you're on a tour, you can go to places outside of all of the main cities very quickly and very easily. So let's talk about those olive trees. I saw some of your pictures, and they're incredible. Can you tell us what's unique and special about these particular olive trees? Well, what's interesting, you know, Italy is known for olive oil all over, but Mm -hmm. Puglia probably is the understated location for olives because Mm -hmm. there are more than 50 million olive trees in Puglia and many of them are over 3,000 years old. It's incredible. It, or not. it is incredible. And you can get up on high points like the town of Ostuni, and you can look out all the way to the Adriatic Sea, and you'll see nothing but olive trees hmm. just for miles all the way to the sea. Wow. And they're huge. Their trunks are sometimes 10 feet and maybe larger wide, hmm. and they're still producing olives. Many of them were planted by the Romans and even the Greeks. And they, they had this very um, smart way of 
they, they plant them so many feet apart, they know what the yield would be, and they've survived all these years. And it's fascinating to go and see. And October is a good month because they're starting to do the olives. You know, they're collecting olives, and they're doing the first press. They talk about all the different kinds of olive oil that you can go, you can use from extra virgin all the way down to the regular olive oil, which ones are best for cooking. You mm. can go to many places and do incredible tastings mm. and taste their wonderful bread. We have to get into the food. Yeah, but we will. The bread <laughs> and, and the olive oil is just, it's fabulous. Uh, so Puglia competes with Spain and the rest of Italy for being one of the leading producers of olive oil around the world. All right, well, then let's just get into it. How, give me, because I do not know this, tell me about olive oil. What should I just be dipping and what should I be cooking with? <laughs> well, you know, they always tell you that, you know, the extra virgin olive oil really isn't good for cooking ah. because it burns so quickly. Yes, it um, does. And so, you know, using other, as you go down just to a regular olive oil, all the different grades of olive oil, that would be better, uh, but it's all—it's so wonderful on fresh vegetables or salads, and just the way they do, um, you know, grilled vegetables, mm-hmm. and then they let them cool at room temperature and drizzle with olive oil, or when they have um, fresh pasta mm-hmm. at the end of the when they serve it, they drizzle olive oil over the top, and of course on bread like focaccia, any of their breads, you know, fresh olive oil is just incredible. So the taste, um, it's not like anything you've ever had if you're just used to Trader Joe's olive oil. Um, (laughs) And that's not to say that Trader Joe does not import olive oil from Italy and Spain. They do. But um, it is really incredible. Uh, You're making me miss both Trader Joe's and, you know, well, Trader Joe's. But I want to eat some focaccia now. And none of the stores are open here. So tomorrow. Okay. Now let's talk about the bread. Yeah, they they do a nice thing about bread. You know, Tuscany is not famous for its bread because they don't salt it. So most people and the Tuscans themselves don't market their own bread. But places like Puglia, the bread is really good. Um, And the dough that they make, not only the bread, but the pasta. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people in the United States know that there's hundreds of different kinds of pastas, oh. uh, from macaroni to lasagna pastas, you know, vermicelli and uh, all of the different kinds of pastas. But in Puglia, they particularly use a lot of orchiette, mm. which means little ears. Yes. And orchiette is um, kind of a, you know, it looks like a little hat, but they, they, it really means little ears. And they do wonderful things with that. With the fresh olives, um, when they make, when they use the black olives, they'll make olive paste, a tapenade kind of thing, mm-hmm. and they'll make pastas with that and olive oil. Mm. It's to die for. And they have some incredible cheeses. They have like cacio cavallo, cavallo, which cacio, C-A-C-I-O, and then cavallo, which means horse, mm. C-A-V-A-L-L-O, wonderful cheese. Um, it's not made from he, horse, correct? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it's a it's a it's a sheep's milk cheese, I believe, mm. and I like a pecorino. 
But they also have things like burrata, um, which is very similar to mozzarella. Mm. And burrata has got a creamy, wonderful feeling. It's made just like mozzarella, mm. but then the inside of it is very creamy and rich and, oh, and wonderful. So mm. the cheeses, the um, the breads, the olive oil, um, it's it's really good. And then you get into the wines. Yes. And they have world-class wines. Um one of the wines that's very common is called Primitivo, mm-hmm. P-R-I-M-I-T-I-V-O, Primitivo. And then there's uh, Negro Amaro. Mm. It means kind of a dark sweet. And both are wonderful wines. And you can get Negro Amaro. You can get them in whites and also in reds. Um, they're, it's it's a, a nice experience to kind of go and get away from the Sangiovese grape and drinking Chianti or Brunello or any of those traditional, what we think of famous Italian wines to these others, which are sold in the States. I think you can get them like at Total Beverage, Bevmo. I Mm. might even check with Trader Joe's. Mm. But um, it's a nice experience. What about gelato? Can't talk Italy without talking gelato and maybe pizza. Gelato is everywhere. Um, it's, you know, I don't, I couldn't say that Puglia's gelato is any better than Florence or Rome. Um, so it's there and pizza, of course, they're very close to Naples. I mean, they're not very close, but they're in the South. Mm. So their pizzas are very Neapolitan in nature with wonderful tomato base, uh, wonderful mozzarella. Um, so the pizzas are incredible, Mm. of course just as their focaccia and the olive oil on the pizza. So. Oh, okay. Really good. We're going to Italy this summer and I'm ready. So that <laughs> sounds good. All right. Um, how about, uh, let's, let's move away from food a little bit because we could talk a whole episode on that probably. Let's talk about maybe where you want to eat your food. Let's talk about the beach scene. Yeah, the beach scene changes during the season. From about uh, May through mid-September, it is probably one of the most beautiful areas for beaches all along. It, Puglia is long, you know, all the way down to the heel, yeah. and then it kind of, the heel curves around um, towards the town. Gallipoli, if you know those places, they, the heel comes back up. The okay. water is completely turquoise. You can see right down to it. Yes. Um, it's very, very popular in the summer. It's not, um, it's not particularly rocky. They have a lot of sand beaches. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there are not a lot of cliffs. It, when you go to uh, the town Polignano Amare, um, there are some cliffs, but they're not high. It's mm. not like Cinque Terre area at all, but it's beautiful. They have little areas for beaches and they have Red Bull does a, a, a an annual diving contest. Yes, and I, I and it's in September, I believe, and it's very popular. You can go on YouTube and see Polignano Amare in uh, Puglia and see the beaches and see the sweet little town, the diving contest. Um, Sounds good. Now, what about um, water activities there? I, is there snorkeling? Because if the water is that clear, it's probably oh, yeah. snorkeling and scuba. Snorkeling, boating, boating, and wind sailing, wind surfing, oh, yeah. very big now. Um, and even there's even scuba 
because there's lots to see. Mm. And so there's a lot of opportunities. They're very organized with, with their beach activities. You know, Italy and a lot of Europe, doesn't they don't do a lot of public beaches. They do what they call private beaches, but it's easy enough to do for the day. You go and you spend, you know, a minimal amount and you get a, a, a Latino, a, a little bed, and mm. you have access to their snack bar and their bar and their mm. restaurant mm. and then all of the things that they offer. The um, the windsurfing and the kayaking and the paddle boarding and all of that is very very big in Puglia. See that we we did some chair rentals from I mean and and all it was was a chair rental and it was actually very expensive and that was just in South Carolina on Hilton Head one year with our kids and and I was like this is a game changer we don't have to carry any of this stuff and it's a, it has a sign like reserved for the chapas blah blah blah. But so if you're telling me that I, you know, I get both the little bed and I get access to all of these other things with things for the children to do, that sounds like a game changer and a perfect family vacation because the kids want to swim and they want to eat. That's a great vacation yeah. for them. Yeah, you, you find places, you know, uh, a lot of Italians, but a lot of Europeans vacation there in the summer. So they have a lot of them have summer homes. There, mm, yeah, and they also reserve their beach spot every year, the same one for like it's been handed down through families. So, oh wow, they all go to the same spot, you know. So it's kind of funny, but um, yeah, it's 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 nice. Now we talked a little bit about um, the architecture of the region that it was Baroque. Is there anything you want to get into more in depth there? Well, not really. Uh, you know, mostly it's you. You'll see it in there. City buildings, uh, city halls, and you'll see it in their churches. Mm. Um, so just just interesting things. That you don't. Their churches are a little bit different from what you're going to see in Rome and Florence and Venice. Mm. But um, it, it's just interesting and different. What about the little? Or is it called truly houses? Oh yeah, we'll talk about Albero Bello. Yeah. There is a town in in Puglia. And it's Albero, A-L-B-E-R-O, Bello, B-E-L-L-O. Albero, it means beautiful tree. Oh, Albero Bello. And they have these little houses with round, pointed roofs. It looks like little gnomes would live there. Yeah. But um, uh, it's really fun to see. It's become a very, very popular tourist spot. I was there, like, November 1st or 2nd. I mean, and it was jam-packed with people. Uh, and that was November, uh, just walking around. You can't drive through the town. You have to park, and then you walk. And you can get tours, or you can do it yourself. You can go up and see where the people actually live. Some homes will are open for, like, little museums. They're very small. But in the old days, families of, like, 10 people would live in these little places. Wow. And now they've made it all, all the shops are little truly. And um, That's cute. it's interesting because it was done so that they could quickly remove the roof. They're all done with these uh, slate tiles, and okay. they would you can slip in a rope and pull them out really quickly because back in the days when there was a Spanish king, he used to tax people on the height of their houses. Oh. And so they would... Dismantle when they knew the tax collectors were coming to assess, they would dismantle their roofs and then they could put them back up again. That's that is really funny. And I mean, it's lovely to see. 
it's it's fun to see because it's not just in the one town. All the way as you you're driving from uh with um Martina Franco, which is a town, or Ostuni, or any of, and you go towards Abrobello, you'll see farmhouses, you'll see hotels, mm. some of them with the same kinds of roofs, you know, just imitating the roof. So it's an architecture that's imitated right now primarily for tourism, but it's it's interesting. Well, I'll tell you one thing about you talked about Abrobello and other towns, you know, some of the main towns, you know, up north. Um, there, there is a park, a national park. As you go down the boot, you know, you've got places like Leche, you've got Bari, Brindisi, uh, mm. Gallipoli. There's some very interesting cities that people haven't normally visited in the past, but they're, they're very nicely laid out now. Uh, and I, I would recommend people give them a shot. And if you're not, if you're interested in Matera, M A T E R A. Mm. That's the old caves. I don't know. How, uh, it's coming I mean, very. Yes. But Matera is not in Puglia. It's in Basilicata. Okay. And Basilicata is the region right next to Puglia. Okay. And you can, if you're staying in Puglia, you can get to Matera very easily on a day trip. Yeah. So let's talk about the caves. Have you been yeah. in them? Yes, I have, and I've been into several hotels. The Passion of Christ, I think I think it was Mel Gibson that did that film, yep. was filmed entirely there. Mm-hmm. Um, parts of Wonder Woman, last the last couple of years, it was filmed there. Huh. They, it's so it's it, it looks kind of like what you would think Israel might look like, old Jerusalem. Hmm. It's very interesting. It's kind of got a sad history. It, um, the people there were forgotten until about 1938. Uh, a book was written, um, and they highlighted. Whoa, we're having a little windstorm outside here. Oh, that was a big cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they highlighted that these poor people were living in caves with no electricity, running water, et cetera, and it became the shame of Italy. And so um, during the war, uh, Mussolini and at that time, they kind of had a, a renaissance trying to move those people out, get them to build a, a normal town, and they kind of closed the caves up. But then they, they found that the people wanted to go back. Mm. And so as history evolved, it, it, long story short, it's now a kind of a tourist place because it's a huge canyon with caves and buildings built in these canyons mm. And it's it's lovely to see, and it's kind of interesting to experience. And they're starting to build hotels in these caves, which is kind of interesting as well. Huh. So it's interesting, and it's not far from any place in Puglia. A lot of people that are staying in Puglia visit Matera. So are these like underground caves, or are they? No, they're in a rock. I'd have to, if you Google it, uh, or if you look at my pictures, yep. you can see, uh, I can send you some. They, it's like a canyon, and they're, the caves are in a ca- uh, along the walls of the canyon. Mm. So why were these people there? They were political exiles? No, they weren't. That's just, you know, Italy was, it's an old country, and they, they had been there forever. Huh. And all of a sudden, people kind of stumbled across it. Um, there was a book called, And Christ Came to Eboli. 
And uh, that book in 1935 highlighted these people living in these kind of this, I don't know, Stone Age kind of world. Yeah. yeah. And everybody was appalled that Italy would allow that. And they were ashamed, uh, very ashamed of it. And they tried to remedy it. But in in those days, remedy was not so so nice, removing people from places that they'd known all their lives. Mm. And you know, putting them in, you know, in, in essence, public housing. Yeah. And um, it just didn't work really well. Yeah. And so they went back, and then they tried to kind of help them. They don't very few. I don't think they really live in those caves anymore. It's tourist stuff now. Yeah, but, it's interesting um, because a lot of because now we have people like there's a movement where people want to live more simply and go to and like seek out intentionally that sort of thing. It's just interesting how history comes around full circle sometimes. But Well, and that's the essence of how these hotels are coming about, too. You can stay in those places. I, I toured them, and they're very nice, and some of them are five-star luxe hotels, hmm. but they're very claustrophobic. <laughs> you oh, know, yes. the lighting is not good, and well, I don't know. It's good for, <laughs> uh, for me and for people, as we discussed it as travel agents, it might be a nice day trip, but it, for like you're talking about, there are people that are seeking that experience, and it might be interesting to try for a night or two. Yeah, gotcha. Um, with, which is a stark contrast to, you were talking about those farm stays, which you need to go to Sharon's page and look at some of these, uh, what I'm guessing are bathtubs. Were those? Oh, yeah. Were those very intricate, like clamshell-shaped bathtub? Yeah. It looks like you're bathing in a fountain. Yeah, they did clamshell. They did wonderful, like, they almost look like marble, but I think they were limestone, mm. oval-shaped tubs. Um, and they were in the rooms. Uh, they, they just very, very nice. I mean, it looks like you're going to swim in a museum's fountain and that you're going to get in uh-huh. trouble. That's what it looks like. You're, you're like, you should be picking pennies uh-huh. off the bottom. <laughs> Is what it looks like. But they've, they're really, you know, I have to tell you that when they start to mention some of the clients, um, and one of the Nazaria that we were in near Fasano, uh, Madonna and her whole family, you know, she has a, a lot of children. Mm. Um, I did not know that. There. Oh, yeah. And uh, Francis Ford Coppola, he vacations there, but mm. he also has a hotel himself in Basilicata over by Matera. So there are more and more movie stars that want to get away mm. and they, you know, they're guaranteed complete privacy in these places. Um, they travel there. And the yeah. nice thing about it right now is Puglia is not that expensive. That sounds fantastic for so, so many reasons. Um, what about, um, what about just general, would you say there's something like, if you go to the region, this is the thing they're known for. You must try it. You must eat it. You must do this thing. What is What What kind of comes up first in your mind? Well, of course, you know, anything with olives. Um, and, of course, anything orchiette, pasta, and they, they fix it a thousand different ways. Mm. There's a, a, a pastry that we had at breakfast every morning, and it's very famous in Lecce. It's called pachi. Pasticcicotto, pasticcicotto, mm. P-A-S-T-I-C-C-I-O-T-T-O. Oh, and it is lovely, like a little cream puff, but the 
pastry wasn't as delicate. It was a little bit harder with mm. this lovely cream inside. They they love pastries, so they do a lot of good sweets. And then the snack, which that we can get here in the states at mm. Walmart, oh. is called torale, T A R A L L I torale. Yeah. And there's olive oil torale. There's wine torale. Garlic torale. And if you go, I, I understand I haven't done it, but my friends that were traveling with me say they eat Tirali with wine. You can get it at Walmart. What is it? It's just like a little pretzel okay. kind of thing, but it's fatter, mm. and it's actually a dough. But when you eat it, you can you can taste the olive oil. It is so good. Mm. And then they'll flavor them. They have uh, salty Tirali, but then they also have sweet Tirali. Mm. And it's it's pretty much something that you would do for snacks. Yeah, I think, wow, this um, is such a classy treat. And I can find it at Walmart, which to me well, does not get the same It's P-A-R-A-L-L-I, and it just says product of Italy on it. And, hmm. uh, and just get them like chips. You know, their chips are like pretzels or whatever, but they're pretty well known in Puglia. All right, so this is an idea for our listeners. You go out and you get some wine from Puglia, you get your trolley, and you have an Italian uh, you know, travel-type party where all the people who are interested in taking a group trip sit around and brainstorm and have all these fantastic snacks. Then you give Sharon a call and say, we're ready. Plan it out. <laughs> Fine. I, and I'm ready, too. Anytime. I, I love Puglia. So um, while we're talking about that, are you taking on more clients right now? I am. Okay. Not necessarily. They're going everywhere in Italy. Um, it's this is the time that a lot of people. This is November, mm-hmm. and so people are traveling now. I I actually have people that are going in February, March, and April, and then other people are planning trips for September and October. Mm. What kind of traveler do you recommend? Like Puglia be for because some places you know not for mobility, not for children. Who is this region for? Well, I think if there are mobility issues, this is uh, this is doable mm. because it's flat. There are towns like Ostuni, which are up on a hill, but they're rare. Uh, Lecce is very easy to get around. Otranto, uh, Brindisi, Bari, they're all towns that are flat, mm. and the driving is flat, uh, so it's it's pretty accessible um and that's not to say that italy has come around as much as we have in terms of accommodating special needs Mm -hmm. but their hotels do uh they uh actually you know if you're gluten-free they accommodate that so they're getting better about it uh so i think for special needs it would be good families it would be terrific Mm-hmm. especially in the summertime. Just know that it's crowded on the beaches in July and August, mm. uh, but September is nice. Um, and then just for people that are interested in culture, uh, people that are interested in history, mm-hmm. uh, knowing you know the Greek influence, the Spanish influence, the Arabic influence, and architecture. You know, It's really fascinating because it's not the kind of Italy that you traditionally see. What about honeymooners? Oh, absolutely. You know, and weddings. That's what those masseria are known for. They do incredible wedding business. Um, Weddings and honeymooners, um, definitely a place to go. 
Awesome. Any last tips, tricks, avoids, things people should be aware of when traveling to this region? Well, not really. I think that really you should do your homework. You know, talk to people that have been there. Talk to people like me who are Italy specialists to give you some good recommendations about how to plan an itinerary mm-hmm. so that you get the maximum value uh, yep. from your travel. Um, but that's about it. Yeah, and just to jump on that bandwagon, um, and I'm really plugging travel agents heavy this particular episode, which, I mean, the purpose of this podcast is to connect travelers to travel professionals so that you can maximize your time on the ground, especially for U.S. listeners because we have a very limited amount of vacation days. Like, Don't squander your time when you get to one of these wonderful regions of the world. Call a travel planner with some sort of expertise in the region you're going to so that you can maximize your time on the ground. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Sharon, give us your website one more time. Website is your... Y-O-U-R, ticket, the number two, Italy.com. Boom. All right. And if you send me pictures, I will put them up in the show notes. I will put them on Facebook and Instagram and the Twitter. And I will tag you in all all of those places. Wonderful. All right. Thank you, Sharon, for joining me. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Until next time, this is Megan Chapa of the Travel Radio Podcast saying good night. (laughs) 